Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. What did you think was going to happen? I mean, you know by now, Met fans, you know exactly what was going to happen. And there isn't a team. Now, we know as sports fans, a lot of losing. I don't care what team you root for. There's a lot of losing that happens when you're a sports fan. You you could go across the country, whatever, across all sports. There isn't a team that tortures their fan base more than than the New York Mets do. It is impossible to torture their fan base more than the New York Mets. And this was another one of those prime examples. I can't... Look, we said it yesterday. I'm not saying it again. We we know the NL East is over. We know the Mets season is over as far as World Series expectations. That is done. Could they make the playoffs? Absolutely. It'll be fun trying to watch this team get in the postseason. I told you exactly what's going to happen. Fans are going to have hope. The Mets are going to sell the hope of, well, look, we just got to get into the postseason. Look what the Phillies did last year. Wait till we get our guys back and you know, see get them, get them right. We know what we can do. Verlander and Scherzer in the postseason. Well, I'm not getting sucked in. Not this time. Last year I bought in. I believe that they were good. They earned our trust last year. They earned our trust. This year, and really since last year, the series in Atlanta, they haven't. You could say their September was bad. They lost Marte, whatever. They they were you know struggling a little bit down the stretch to hang on. They got swept by Atlanta. They had an embarrassing postseason performance, and they've had a rough start to this year where it's not April anymore. It's not May anymore. It is now June, and they still continue to look like a team that is not very good. And this is off, of course, spending a ton of money, the highest payroll in baseball history, all that stuff. They are three games under five hundred, nine games back in the loss column. Now, who's to blame? You guys tonight, or this morning, hi, it's Friday, want to get on Buck Showalter. I'm not going to get on Buck Showalter. I understand why you want to get on him. I'm not going to do that. Because he isn't the problem. Justin Verlander is the problem. Max Scherzer was the problem. Drew Smith is the problem. Adam Adovino was the problem. These are the guys that deserve the wrath. It's not even the offense. You can't pick on Vogel back. He didn't play. I mean, it did score 10 runs. You look at what Alvarez has done. It's exciting. You know, the Mets scored 10 runs without Alonzo. I understand what Buck was trying to say when he said he's proud of the group for fighting because we all look. You, you could sit there and lie to yourself. The Mets got down three nothing early on. You're thinking, bleeping, bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleep. Again, here we go. But they punched back. They showed some guts. And Brandon Nemo with the grand slam, and the Mets actually responded for a change. So it wasn't that. The Braves went out there and dominated them. The Mets did fight all night long, back and forth, back and forth. The problem is you can't blow those leads. And I was ready to excuse Verlander for the first inning. You know, you give up three runs. All right, obviously I'm not happy about that. That's unacceptable. But your offense got you off the hook. 
And once the Mets take that 5-3 lead, my thought was that he's not giving another one up. That has to be, and I actually believed it. Foolish me. Look at me trying to be positive and buy into the team that I just said was done the night before. I was trying to be positive and thinking, you know what, Verlander, he's got a mulligan here. He gives up three in the first. They give him five in the top of the second. You can't allow another run. Go out there, make this stick, get through five, six innings, handle over the bullpen. And Justin Verlander can't even get, I mean, he goes three innings. I mean, that's it's an embarrassment. He goes three innings, and he allows five runs. Four earned runs, whatever, semantics, don't really care. He's pitching to an almost five ERA. And that is why this team is no good. If you want to blame why the Mets are failing this year, you want to place blame specifically why, that's why. Because they chose to double down on their formula for success based on what happened last year. I don't know how you could do that, but they chose to double down and say, we're going to invest big again in the starting pitching. And that's what they did. Now, they invested in the bullpen, too. And it was supposed to be better than what it was. Obviously, Diaz got hurt. You're now seeing the ripple effects of that finally in June. But the reason is because the starters have been horrible all year long. Too many times we've seen a Mets starter go three, four, five innings. You know, their record up until, what was it, uh, the Blue Jays series or whatever. Yeah, that, that Friday, I guess it was, when a Mets starter won six innings. The Mets were, what, 14-0, 16 something like that. And they didn't have enough of those starts. So that uh, oh, you know, forces Buck to overuse the bullpen, abuse the bullpen, and it's not very good to begin with because they're thin without their best reliever in Edwin Diaz. So now you're taking an already weakened bullpen and abusing it to start the year for two, three months, and what do you expect? I mean, when Verlander leaves that game in the third inning, you're thinking, how are you going to get any outs here? Nagosik, he stinks. All right, bring him. He's okay, but even he gives up a run. Rayleigh, all right, fine. Drew Smith. (laughs) Drew Smith. I mean, you have to laugh at this point because if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. If you don't laugh, you are going to cry. Drew Smith, this is the guy that we've got to see trying to protect a big lead here in an important spot. Drew Smith. On the team with the highest payroll in baseball history, Drew Smith is the guy who's in there for important outs. He sucks. Get him off the team. Right along with Vogelback. I'd offer to drive them myself, but I'm not wasting my time on these two guys. I don't care how they get out of here. Just get them out of here. They're awful. I never want to see him again. Take out of Eno with you. I mean, at least Adovino had a decent year last year. But still, I don't want to see any of them again. Tommy Hunter, he could go too. Here's the problem with Drew Smith. Like, Tommy Hunter, you expect sucks. He, he's not, he shouldn't be on the team. But it's like desperation, you need arms, whatever. He's the guy who's the absolute last resort. You know what I saw when Tommy Hunter was jogging in from the bullpen? I saw a white flag. I didn't see Tommy Hunter. I saw a white flag. This game is over. We know it. You know it. But there's nothing we can do about it because we have no other options. But you expect it from him. 
Hey, and you can't get on Robertson. He's been great. You, what, what do you got? You expect him to go two innings? Come on. He's been good all year long. Actually, the one of the few who's done their job here. Drew Smith is a guy who was supposed to be an important arm for this team dating back for years. Oh, Drew Smith, Drew Smith, Drew Smith. Never, 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 never. This was his year, make or break year, especially with Edwin Diaz out. They needed him to be a reliable arm. That could come into big spots and get big outs. And he's proven time and time again he can't. He sucks. Get him out of here. But it all starts with Justin Verlander. You can't pay. I mean, we could pick on, like I said, Hunter or Drew Smith or whatever else, but Verlander's getting $43 bucks. Well, why are you paying him $43 million? Not to go three innings against the Braves and, you know, blow a lead. Same with Max Scherzer. So, again, you notice a pattern here? The Mets built their team last year on starting pitching. DeGrom was hurt. Scherzer was good, but then he got hurt, and they still were able to get quality starts. Tyler McGill, you know, filled in nicely, whatever. You, you, you know, um, Walker, Carrasco was good for a little bit. You know the guys by now. Chris Bassett obviously was reliable. By the way, how good would Chris Bassett and Marcus Stroman look in this rotation? I know there were some other issues with Strowman and Bassett. I never forgave him for those two last starts, but he's better than anything the Mets have right now. Anyway, you saw how they were built a year ago. You saw it lined up regardless of all that happened prior to the final six games of the year. All the Mets had to do was win one measly game, and they had their pitching lined up the exact way you'd want. There were... Ups and downs, the roller coaster ride throughout the course of the year, even though they were good all year long. As far as that rotation goes, guys were coming, guys were going, guys were hurt, guys were not. So they all, at the end, when it mattered the most, they were all there and ready to go. And what happened? It failed. DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett. It failed twice. They had two chances. They had a mulligan after the Brave Series, and they lost again in Sa- against San Diego. They both, all, all three of them. I mean, I know DeGrom was okay in the, uh, the the postseason, but all three of them did not get the job done ultimately to the expectations that we had of them or that the Mets had of them. And that's the reason why the Mets were ousted. Didn't win the division, didn't win the postseason round because of the starting pitching. Billy Epler makes the decision they're going to double down on the idea of how to build their team. You know, some some stretch out the lineup with some professional hitters, Canna and Escobar and Marte, and you know, maybe have some impact with the rookies this year. You, you get the point. They were not investing a lot in the offense. It was all about bringing Brandon Nemo back, bringing Edwin Diaz back, and replacing some of the parts in that starting rotation. And I'm not going to blame them for bringing in Verlander, But what I am going to do is say they didn't build a – you can't win with a top-heavy starting rotation team. It's not – that's not how you do it anymore. I used to love that theory, pitching, 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 pitching. I'm not buying it anymore. Bullcrap. It's offense, 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 offense. Players that impact the game every day. Not every fifth day, every day. And the pitching in today's game, for whatever reason – 
is extremely inconsistent. And two of the more consistent competitors that we've seen, the Mets let go in Strowman and Chris Bassett. You, it's hard to predict. Look at Alcantara with the Marlins. If you're a Marlins fan, and I don't know who the hell is, but maybe I'll be one soon. I mean, hell, look what they're doing this year. Wouldn't work with nothing. But if you're a Marlins fan, you look at Alcantara last year and you're saying, here we go, we got the best pitcher in baseball lined up for the next several years. And then this year, he's bad. Go figure. If it's not poor performance, what is it? Guys getting hurt, right? So the starting pitching... We know bullpens are fickle. Starting pitching is the hardest thing to find consistency in for many reasons. Performance, injuries, all the above. And I liked the way the Mets did it because they invested in two of the more consistent guys throughout their careers in Scherzer and Verlander. However, they're way past their prime now. And neither guy has gotten it done. It's June. Verlander missed a full month. He's been inconsistent. At times, he's looked dominant like a Cy Young Award winner. And at times like tonight, he can't protect a two-run lead. Gives up three in the first, actually has a lead after that, and can't get out of the third inning. That's unacceptable. I'd rather him pitch six innings and give it up six runs than go three innings and have to get to the bullpen. But this was a, a horrible start on many levels. It's Scherzer again, you know, the, the other night with him, same thing. This is why the Mets are failing, because they're reliant on those two guys in particular, starting rotation overall, sure, but those two guys, throwing Kodai Senga, throwing Jose Quintana, who we haven't seen yet, they're built to have success based off of the starting rotation. Multiple ways, keeping them in the game so the offense can score some runs because they're not generally going to bludgeon you, although with Alvarez in there, that could change things. But they're built to be keep the offense in the game. They're built to protect leads. The Mets had three-run leads all three of these games, first time in, in franchise history that they lost three games in a row, one having you know three-run leads. Now, with their history, who knows how many games they actually had three-run leads in. <laughs> that's that's part of it, too. To blow a three-run lead, you actually have to have a three-run lead in three straight games. So I'd like to see how many times they actually had a three-run lead in three straight games that they didn't blow. But that's what I was saying last night. Hey, they, they usually don't blow a 4-1 lead. you got to protect that. They didn't. Three straight games blowing a three-run lead. But their starting pitching is supposed to keep them in games. It's supposed to give them length, which shortens up the bullpen, and then they could use you know two or three of those guys in a bullpen, especially without Diaz. It's only going to be two or three. With Diaz, maybe it was going to be three or four. But they could not overtax the bullpen, and that's gone kaput this year. I wanted to say another phrase, but I can't do that because I don't want to get kicked off the air. So that has not worked out, obviously. And when the starting rotation falters, Everything else crumbles along with it. They lost this series. Why? Not because of Buck Showalter and because of what the lineups were or weren't or what he said in the postgame. They lost this series because Max Scherzer wasn't good enough. They lost this series because Justin Verlander was awful. 
they lost this series because their bullpen, the few trusted guys in the bullpen, didn't get the job done. That is why they lost, because they can't get the Atlanta Braves out. Now, this is not just a problem dating back to last September. This is a problem, the Mets not being able to get the Atlanta Braves out for 30 years. At some point, it's got to stop. Unfortunately, that point is not now. The Braves own them. And it was no surprise after winning. To me, the, the game with Scherzer was the game. And the Mets didn't win that one. I knew they were getting swept. It's no surprise. But it's disappointing how it happened. And because of the way that it happened with Scherzer and Verlander, why the hell would I believe that this team, while I do think they're going to make it to the postseason, because if they don't, I mean, you think the last couple of nights were bad. I mean, I can't even fathom what it will be like if this team does not make the postseason this year. Highest payroll ever, an expanded postseason. There's no excuse. I don't care if Verlander and Scherzer get hurt and don't pitch a game the rest of the way. There's no excuse for this team to not make the postseason. So they will. I do have confidence in that. But why in the world would anybody who's watched this team have confidence in them actually doing something with a postseason appearance based off of what we've seen with our own eyes, whether it's last year, whether it's this year, with that starting pitching? How can you possibly trust Scherzer and Verlander? Yeah, on paper it sounds great. Yeah, maybe if this were 2012, it'd be great. Or whatever, in 2015, 16, 19, whatever. It's 2023. And these guys haven't gotten it done consistently. That's why I have zero faith in the Mets this year. That is why their season is over. Not anything to do with Buck Showalter. We know what we think. What do you think? Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Salakata back on the fan, 877-337-6666. The Met lineup was actually something that was close to what we hope it could be. Now, remember, it was no Pete Alonzo in there as Alonzo's still out, and they'll get more uh, tests or whatever. He came back to New York to get more tests on that wrist, so he's probably not going to be in Pittsburgh, I wouldn't imagine, uh, but we'll see what the results are with that. But anyway, their lineup last night was close to what you want to see. Now, I would change the order myself, but if Alvarez is going to continue to produce the way that he did last night, hey, what the hell, leave him number two. I would have Alvarez five. I would go Nimmo one, Lind- uh, Nimmo one, Marte two, Lindor three, Alonzo four, Alvarez five, Beatty six, Fam seven, Narvaez. Point is, they had Narvaez and Alvarez in the lineup at the same time. I know fans want to see Vientos. I've been telling you about Vientos. He's not that good. So Vientos goes over five, three strikeouts. Now we would like to see him get more opportunity to see what he could do. But the truth is, he's not going to be an impactful player. But he doesn't need to be in the lineup. Vogelback obviously doesn't need to be anywhere near the lineup. And if Alonso's back in there, that should be the Mets lineup. And if you want to take Narvaez out and have Alvarez catch, 
then you could have either Narvaez DH or Escobar on any given night or Canna on any given night. There are ways to work it. Right now with this roster that they have, they can work it better. And they could also, if they're not going to use Vientos and don't think he's good, send him down and bring up Guillaume and get Vogel back out of here and find anybody who could do anything on the baseball field that could help you win games. See, I'm trying to help the Mets out of here. Free advice. Clean it up a little bit. Now, before we get to the calls, 877-337-6666, specifically, I want to talk about the Buck Showalter comments. People are going to take stuff and hear certain words and just lose it without thinking about the proper context. Buck said that he was proud. He didn't say he was proud that the team just got swept. What he was talking about was he was proud the way that they fought last night after getting down early on the verge of being swept, getting down 3 nothing. they fought right back. They did fight all night. He's right about that. The offense, he was talking about the offense specifically. The offense scored 10 runs, 14 hits, 10 runs, and they did so against Spencer Strider, one of the best pitchers in baseball. That's what he was saying he was proud of. Now, where he lost me was the word positive because now he's, I, I get what he's trying to do, but I don't want to hear the word positive in any way, shape, or form after you just got swept again by the Braves. So those two words, proud, positive, coming off of this loss, that's going to trigger a lot of Mets fans. But it doesn't mean Buck should be fired. It doesn't mean Buck doesn't care. He does care. Matter of fact, if you listen to the whole thing or watch the whole thing on SNY, he did go on to say, you got to be honest with yourself. And he, there were some truths in what he was saying. The, the reality is he's not going to admit that the Braves are significantly better, but we know that. But he also said, you got to look yourself in the mirror and know we need to be better. And he didn't want to call out the team. And I know we all want to see him call out the team, but he knows it. They know it. Don't get caught up on a word or two that Buck said in the postgame. And also make sure you watch it again and get the full context. He was talking about the lineup. That he's proud of the lineup. It's one of the better offensive performances from the Mets all year long. So I could understand why he's saying that. But nothing, and, and I can understand why he wants to take you know, the positives of that from it, but... After you get swept like that, those are not words you should be using. Still, let's not overreact to something that's not a big deal. The big deal is Verlander. The big deal is Drew Smith. Those are the big problems. Or Scherzer the night before. Or Adovino the night before. Those guys are the big problems. Not Buck Showalter. And if you think Buck Showalter's getting fired, you're out of your freaking mind. Buck Showalter, Billy Epler aren't going anyway, uh, aren't going anywhere, nor should they, coming off of what happened last season and talking about it two and a half months in. That's absurd talk. That's loony bin talk. 877-337-6666. Jeff is calling from Colorado. What's up, Jeff? Sal, how you doing, man? Good, Jeff. How are you, man? Um, disappointed and distraught, and I don't even know what uh... – what words to use. You know, I was at uh, the Saturday night game when they played out here in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's great to see, uh, you know, Pete in person again, and, and, you know, Alvarez hitting a home run was, you know, phenomenal at, at that mm-hmm. point. But, uh, you know, again, they, they blew the lead. Um, you know, it's it's one thing, of course, you know, out here, you know, pitching, you know, Colorado, you know, doesn't need to be said. 
but seeing just the way that things have gone, and 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 I I take what you say, you know, uh, you know, with, at face value, but when you look at the bullpen, you know, sorry, I say I was sorry with what you were saying with the starting pitching, but with the bullpen, it's it's very very frustrating, and you're 100 percent correct. Bullpens have always been inconsistent. Um, but, you know, it seems to me that, gosh, going back to, you know, when the Mets were rolling out Manny Acosta, you know, years ago, uh, that, that they've never really been able to put together, you know, a consistent bullpen. And, you know, to me, I'm trying to look at things from a positive aspect. And the one positive that I can see is Alvarez, right? You know, Pete, obviously, but the fact that, you know, Alvarez looks like he really is the real deal. You know, this guy can maybe hit 20 plus home runs he's, a year. He's, he's a difference maker. He's a different. If That's not for huge. Alvarez, if not for Alvarez right now, the team would be even deader than dead, which is what I, they I agree. are. So, so you have I, Marte I starting to show. Some, look, Marte's starting to show some signs of life. Alvarez being an impact bat, they have to obviously get Alonzo back at some point. Lindor will get going. You hope at some point McNeil will also get going. Nimmo has been fine. I know he's been slumping a little bit, but he'll be fine. Narvaez is back. They've cleaned it up a little bit. If they could just keep Vientos, Vogel back, you know, and Canna out of the lineup, I think they'll be okay for the most part offensively and maybe start uh, to turn the corner. Problem is the pitching. That's the biggest issue. It's always been the pitching. The, the 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 crazy thing, Sal, is that they're only three games out of a wild card spot, which is which is unbelievable to even say that. Couple, well, couple right, but they're, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they'll they'll, they'll yeah. make the playoffs. I'm not worried about that. But but what what's going to happen when they get there? There's a couple quick things. I'm, they're going to get spanked. They're going to get spanked when they get there. That's what's going to happen. Verlander, Scherzer, if they're healthy, they're going to get spanked. The Mets will get ousted. That's what's going to happen when they get there because they're not good enough. They're good enough to make it. They're not good enough to get to do anything with it. I you know I I I try to be optimistic, but it's it's, it's hard you know with with this situation. I'm curious to get your opinion on a couple points. First of all, I, you know, I agree with you regarding Buck. I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. And, you know, to, to me, it's not, you can't, you know, blame Buck for everything. The one thing that I do get on Buck for that, that upsets me is his lack of, you know, getting these guys running more on the base pass, you know, trying to stay out of these double, some of these double plays, you know, doing more double stealing. I don't know how Nimmo is not stealing 20 bases at minimum a season. That, that, that's crazy to me. I'm curious your point, your, your, uh, perspective on that. The other thing is, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Al, I do not want to see them trading away any prospects at all whatsoever because of the situation that you're seeing this year. Uh, it's not like it's going to be a difference maker. They're building a nice stable down on the farm, even though most of it is basically in high A and below. But I don't want to see them you know, start to just trade away chips like they did you well, know, last year to. to get a Darren they're, Ruff. They're, no, they're not going to, Jeff. And thank you for the call. We appreciate checking. And they're not going to be trading away any significant pieces. They probably weren't going to do it to begin with, but especially now because this team is not worth investing that in. Because that's not going to be a difference maker for them. They found that difference making bat that they were lacking from a year ago. It's Francisco Alvarez. And they're lucky because they found it by accident. Because Alvarez wouldn't be here if not for the injury to Narvaez. And Alvarez, until... Maybe a week prior to or two weeks prior to having to make a decision about Tomas Nito and Narvaez when they came back. And, you know, Gary Sanchez, there was still indecision about what the Mets were going to do with Alvarez, potentially setting him down. Can you imagine? I mean, they got lucky. They got lucky that Narvaez got hurt. Buck was saying, oh, Buck said a quote. You want to get on him for something? Get on him for this before the year starts. 
When asked about seeing Alvarez, he said, we hope not, because that'll mean things have gone wrong. Oh, you hope not? You hope not? Without Alvarez, you'd be done. I mean, you're done anyway, but without Alvarez, forget it. He's been a lone bright spot here, a difference-making bat. The dude's got, remember yesterday I said, can somebody show some sack? Alvarez, there's no question about that with him. He's got the marbles. You have no marbles. He's got marbles, and he lets you know about it, flexing around the bases. That is what they need more of. Alvarez is not intimidated anymore. He went through a little rut where he was trying to find himself and gain gain confidence. You know, I say this all the time. To have success, you have to be confident. But to be truly confident, you have to have some success. And I'm not talking about in the minor leagues. I'm talking about the big league level. Like, you think you could do it. You believe you could do it. You're confident. But then you get up there, and then you have to do it. Because if you don't have that success, and he didn't right out of the gate, you start to doubt a little bit. Doubt creeps in. Then once you have that success, as he did, now you know. You always thought you could do it. Now you know. And now Alvarez knows he belongs. And hopefully the Mets now understand that as well. But Beatty and Alvarez, and Beatty could be better offensively, but even his struggles are still, you see an everyday player there, an impactful everyday player there. Could the Mets use another bat? Sure. But with Alvarez being what he is or what he's turned into here, they should be okay as long as McNeil and Lindor really pick it up. And I think that they will at some point. And obviously, you know, Alonzo comes back. It's the pitching that would concern me with the Mets. Joe is calling from South Dakota. What's up, Joe? Sal, how you doing, man? Uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head in the in the monologue. I mean, it's just it's torture rooting for this team, and you know, thirty years worth of rooting for this team. I'm just, uh, I just, when's it going to end with the Braves? It's like the uniform stays the same, the players change, but nothing changes. Um, even the know, building people- changes. The Braves even <laughs> tore down that Turner Stadium. They have a new ballpark, and it's the same result. It's the same result. It's you know you got, and this is a team, by the way, that lost two games to Oakland last week. So we put them yeah. on this big pedestal, and you know they drop games to other teams, but it just seems like when they play the Mets, they just amp it up. You got Michael Harris batting one eighty, looking like Andrew Jones out there hitting the ball all over the field. It's just. It's mind-boggling, but I just don't know how you fix it. And I'll be honest, you know, I'm in two group chats with my boys. It's all Mets all day, every day, and we want blood. You know, I want people fire. I want people you, like Leon and Tommy Hunter. I mean, these guys should be off the team tomorrow. I mean, what are they still doing on this team? I don't care if you call up three stiffs from AAA. I don't want to see Tommy Hunter in another game. I mean, how many times do we need to see this guy? And Drew Smith, like you said, we've been hearing about it. Hearing about it. He's got a good fastball, but every time he throws that slider, the ball goes 400 feet. It gets matched. Yeah, great. That's great he's got a good fastball. How about he throws the bleeping thing on occasion? I mean, my, oh, not on occasion, regularly. Because everybody, all you heard, oh, good fastball, good fastball. Well, every time an off-speed pitch comes out of his hand, it goes out of the park. I, I've had it with Drew Smith. I never... From day one, like Drew Smith. 
and imagine how I feel now after watching him year after year after year do the same thing. Oh, no, we changed his diet this year so he could stay healthy. That's great. Change the way that you throw the baseball because it's not working. Get him the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean, and one thing I'll say I'm a little surprised that I heard you say while I was on hold um, is I think Epler needs a lot more heat than I think you're giving him right now, to be honest, because for $360 million, I mean, this team has no depth. Well, what would you have done differently? The, the, where I question them, and I'd be curious to see what you say, Joe, where I question them was their philosophy in investing big in the starting pitching and not really balancing it out with the lineup. Their bread and butter, their strength, their identity is in that starting rotation. I would have an identity with the lineup. now that, And I'm reversing course from my, my beliefs always, but I realized this years ago, you know, maybe four or five years ago, whatever, that the pitching is not the way to do it. You need to do it with the lineup. So that would be my only um, critique. But, I mean, what would you have done specifically? What, you wouldn't have signed Scherzer? You wouldn't have signed Verlander? What would you have done if you're Epler? No, I mean, I listen, you had to replace DeGrom. I think they did what everyone thought they were do and they threw the money at Verlander but Senga over Bassett bad choice it's just a terrible choice you took a, you took reliability and you bring in a Japanese pitcher who can't pitch on regular rest terrible decision and then they didn't put enough even when Diaz was fine you know we didn't know Diaz was going to get hurt obviously but Robertson and Anavino weren't enough you said it about Anavino the guy stunk for like three years and then he had, right, he had a good year with the Mets last year fine but you needed more back there. Uh, well, they, just, they, they did they have. On it. But they see. Here's what they had in the bullpen, and thank you for the call, Joe. I think you bring up a, the the best one probably was Bassett, where regardless of what we say, because we're fans and we're irrational, it's not right to judge or make make a decision on somebody based off of two starts. Now. I will never trust Chris Bassett in a big spot because of what we saw a year ago. But there's great value in consistency and great value in consistent performers. And the Mets had that. Now, they also had it a couple years ago with Marcus Stroman. Now, there were different reasons why they let him go. You know, word is that he was not good in the clubhouse and a bad influence and all that stuff. So there were different reasons. Because if we, if we were just based on pitching... There's no, I mean, Marcus Stroman did his job every fifth day. He went out there. He was durable. He was as consistent as ever. He was never going to be the top guy like a DeGrom or Scherzer or Verlander at their peak, but he's consistent and can be a legitimate number two. And right now he's been one of the better pitchers in baseball. But Bassett was similar in that he took them out every fifth day. And he was pretty good. And he was accountable as well. Problem is... The last two starts would scare me off forever because what happens if he has the same type year where he's consistent, consistent, consistent all year long? Then you get to a big game, whether it's the postseason, whether it's a division, you know, the division on the line, and he chokes again. But Epler and the Mets could have evaluated that a little bit differently than we could and said, hey, it was two bad games. We believe in him. That was, a, I mean, letting him go was a mistake. But they did build the, build the bullpen, I thought, properly. Remember, Diaz was supposed to be part of it. They traded for Brooks Raley, who I trust. They signed David Robertson. That should be enough with three 
guys that you trust, the triangle of trust in the bullpen. They also then brought back Adovino, and even though I didn't love Adovino, bringing him back when you already have those other three, all right, he's the fourth option. And then Drew Smith. Now, they were telling us about Drew Smith forever. This was the year where Drew Smith had to be one of those guys that you could trust. If that were going to be the case, you'd have five guys in that bullpen to trust. Obviously, the main one gets hurt in the WBC and he's out, and now everybody else has to get moved up, and Adovino predictably has been bad. Drew Smith has been awful and has never taken a step forward to where you can trust him, and that's it. Robertson's been very good, and I think Rayleigh's been good, even though he was hurt for a little bit. That's it. So I'm not going to blame Epler for the bullpen. I blame the philosophy. Epler's going to have his time to be evaluated. It's not there yet. We're a year and a half in, and one of the years was a success. You want to get on Epler for Canna, Escobar, Marte? Even though last year Marte was an all-star, I mean, I don't think you can knock Marte. Canna and Escobar, you want to get on for that? You want to get on for Vogelback? Understood. Maybe not properly evaluating some of the youngsters through the farm system. Alvarez, all oh, the defense. Defense is no good. Huh? And he wouldn't even be up here if not for the injury, like we said before. You could get on him for some of that stuff. But I'm not going to get on him for signing Scherzer and Verlander. It just hasn't worked out, unfortunately. Add WFAN to your contacts to talk New York sports with us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Now we're kind of back on the fan, 877-337-6666. Another Met loss, shocking. They get swept in Atlanta by the Braves. Looking their wounds all the way to Pittsburgh. Take on the Buccos. Also will be waiting word on Pete Alonzo. And you know what sucks is that the Subway Series starts Tuesday, and there's a good chance we don't have Aaron Judge or Pete Alonzo involved in that subway series and you know we know judge is not going to be there uh, alonzo will find out about it and you hope that judge is going to be okay the yankees still can't put a timetable on it although they were saying that the swelling seems to be going down uh, you know judge said uh, he felt okay uh, except i guess the toe was hurting after he got the the shot in there but you know the yankees without Aaron judge you saw what they did they split uh, the double header with the white Sox today and even to win the game, they get the no names. Billy McKinney, I mean, shocker. Brian Cashman does it every year. McKinney, who actually wasn't bad with the Mets. What was it, two years ago he was with the Mets? He actually wasn't bad with the Mets for a short period. And he goes deep. You have Willie Calhoun contributing for the Yankees. Anyway, it's right now with the Yankees, and it's frustrating to lose a series to the White Sox. But the Yankees are basically in a holding pattern until they find out exactly how severe the injury is to to judge. The biggest thing, though, to take away from today for the Yankees is Luis Severino. That's a problem. Severino has not been good now his last two times out. And it's not even that he hasn't been good. He's given up home runs. Three A's pitching BP. Three home runs? Come on, Sevy, you got to be better than that. They need Severino 
too bad. I know Vasquez was good, you know, in the second game and, you know, obviously leading the way to the Yankees' victory, but they need Severino to be good to be that number two behind Garrett Cole, especially with no Carlos Rodon and with Nestor Cortez not only being out, but not being as effective this year. Seve was supposed to be a difference maker. Now or never for Severino. This is a make or break year for him. At least in my mind. Like at some point, he's got to actually get it done. He can't just keep, oh, Severino will be fine. Eight, and then he doesn't get it done. 877-337-6666. We're talking Mets and their loss to the Braves. They get swept. People are mad. Kevin is in Copag. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Sal? I'm going to add to the misery hype machine. Verlander or Scherzer for a guy like Jack Leiter? Rangers are going for it. Just lost to Grom. Oh, they're not going to trade Jack Leiter. Are you out of your mind? I mean, Verlander just won the World Series last year. I don't know. They're looking to win the World Series, aren't they? Yeah, but they're not going to trade Jack Leiter and take on $43 million in a 40-year-old pitcher who's looked bad this year, or not very good, at least. I'm dreaming that. I just I want to build the rotation with young guys like we had with DeGrom, Harvey, and Thor. Like These, old, I mean, these guys are like missionaries. We just got them. Yeah but, yeah, but even those guys, who cares? Even those guys... Didn't look at how that turned out. I mean, that's how you want to build the rotation. You sure that's how you want to build the rotation? Look how that worked out. Well, just definitely younger guys. Though. I mean, these older guys just break down. But it doesn't matter. The younger guys broke down. What are you talking about? Harvey had Tommy John surgery. Degrom, you know, he had Tommy John surgery before he even got started, and he was always hurt anyway. Uh, Syndergaard got hurt after his big year in 2016. He gets hurt. The next year, Matt was awful. So we heard about those guys. You know, Wheeler got hurt. He was out for for you with Tommy John surgery. So you know, you're talking about younger guys, but all those guys had issues. I just, I guess, Jack Ladders. That, that just would not happen. No, no, it's not happening. Why would they ever trade Jack Lighter? Was he like the seventy something prospect? I, I don't know. He's just Verlander. What's Verlander and Scherzer worth now? What they start pitching better? No, they're not. First of all, that is not Kevin, and I understand why you want him. Thanks for the call. That that would never happen. You're not going to trade a top prospect for two guys who are making a ridiculous amount of money that are at the end of their career that haven't been healthy or effective. Uh, for the, you know, Verlander obviously was out for the first uh, month of this year. Scherzer's been up and down. Dealt with issues last year. He's you know banged up with some issues this year. It's just not going to happen, let alone for Jack Leiter. You're not getting anything for Scherzer or Verlander. You're not trading them, not to mention they probably have no trade clause, I would think. Kenny is calling from Manhattan. What's up, Kenny? You there, Kenny? What do you think Kenny's doing? Driving? What's going on there? You're going to put Kenny on hold. I'm not sure what the... Fleeks, what do you think that sound was from Kenny? What, I don't know. Ke- doing? Kevin Dexter and I are in here trying to figure it out. I mean, it's not dropping the phone because that would have been like it was falling down a mountain because it was going on too long. It's like he was riding a bike or something. Let's see. Let's go back to it. Sounds like windshield wipers. Is it raining in the city? No, it's not. Is he walking somewhere? Hmm. It's pretty rhythmic, no? It was like the right, same beat I mean. over and over again. Right, so it's got to be some kind of pattern. What the heck is he doing? I can't figure that one out. Right, it sounds like he's like walking, but that doesn't make sense because, you know, oh, maybe he's maybe he's got like his AirPods in his pocket or something. 
and we're hearing him walk. I mean, I don't understand. You are in Manhattan, so he could be walking. Oh, is he horseback riding? I mean, that's a... Kenny there? What the heck is that? I don't know. We'll leave him on hold and see if he can answer. Almost sounds like Chris he's is... swimming. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. What's he good? For a little dip uh, at this hour, Chris is in Beacon. What's up, Chris? Hello, Sal. Hi, Chris. How are you? Chris? What's going on here? Oh, boy. Fleas, we don't have a problem with the phones, do we? I, I don't think heard so. Chris. I heard Chris for a moment there. Yeah, let me let me try this again. Chris, you there? Oh, maybe maybe we lost him. Put him on old, too. I don't think it's the phones. Maybe there's two bad ones in a row. Jose's calling from Port Chester. Jose? What the hell is going on here? Hey, Jose! Hey, what's up, son? Jose, how are you? I'm doing really good, man. I I want to make a little point about two things. Two things. Go ahead. What the hell is that? Boom, D. Why boom make, make me throw it to freaking bonds? So Why what? So they moved the, so they moved around like we we couldn't win this game. The first game we couldn't win that game. Who? Who are we talking about here? The Yankee Gangs, the first gang. Okay. Torres, he should have bumped in that game. Okay. I'm not familiar with what exactly you're talking about, but either way, uh, you're talking about the ninth inning? Yeah. Well, okay, we right. have a runners in first base, yeah. second base, no out. We should remove the runner. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to nitpick there. You're looking for Glaber Torres to get a base hit. Same thing with Rizzo. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Rizzo had an awful day, 0 for 5 in that first game. Hey, look, yeah, I mean, it happens. You lose a game. Now, to me, it's not on the offense in that one. It's on Luis Severino giving up three homers and four runs in his five innings. I mean, like, I, I think it, that's, that don't matter. Like, after Severino. Messed up the game, but mm. the team come back, right? And and right, they got right, the thought, game, and they yeah, hang. Yankees, right, and the Yankees usually come back at home, especially against a team like the White Sox. So I was a little surprised that they fell a little bit short there. But I don't know if I could say that I would have bunted with Glaber. There's was already one out in that spot, or there was nobody out? Oh, no, yeah, right, there was nobody out. Eh, I mean... Yeah, I, I didn't think about it live, so I'm not. And the Yankees just don't do that very often, so and I have no problem with it because you have two chances to tie the game instead of sacrificing and giving up one. You want Torres to get a base hit there, and that'll tie the game. And if he doesn't get it done, then you have a second chance with Rizzo to do the same thing. Unfortunately, Rizzo grounded in a double play. You can't do that. So I'm not going to go nuts, Jose, with the button. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you checking in. Please, did you check with Kenny? Is he there? He's still got the uh, that noise going. No, he's still got the noise going, but I thought we could keep him on hold and maybe keep checking in and seeing if it's the same exact sound, you know, however oh, long yeah. from now. All right, we'll see if he could figure it out. James is calling from Atlanta. What's up, James? James, Sal, Sal, sorry, James. Uh, your boy Kenny, that's him running from New York to live in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
Maybe. <laughs> we talked last night a little bit, and uh, just so you know, I um, I sent a tweet to uh, your favorite Southern uh, radio host, Matt mm-hmm. Turnoff and, and Chuck Oliver on 680 The Fan down here. Again, today, they play clips of your show, man, uh, every afternoon. They're on from uh, 2 to 6. Yeah. And it's yeah, funny here, stuff, Here's man. the thing. I, I don't understand why they should be paying me. Next time you talk to them, <laughs> tell them to send me. I'm going to start invoicing them. I'm now <laughs> creating content for their show for a year now. I know. They're oh, using no, you are. me. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm not. I'm doing it for me, and they're using it on their show. And they, how about they, they, they come up with some, something for themselves? I know they're not good enough to be able to get by without using me. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean, after they're going to the well, I never mentioned them. Last year we did because it was a little back and forth, but I've never once played a clip of theirs on my show. Do you know why? I I don't. Well, think about it. I actually want to entertain my audience. I'm not playing their crappy show no, they do. You, on the airwaves what, in New York. You know what triggered it? It was uh, last year about this time. You were on the show, their show, and you had did the uh, the NL East is oh. I didn't do that on. I didn't do that on their show. I did that here in August. Oh, so your I show. went okay. Yeah, they. I did that on my show, but in August initially, I said it was over. They had me on to talk about it during the Braves' hot run, and I went on, and they're so dumb that they couldn't understand that I wasn't being a homer. And I understand that's difficult for people from Atlanta to not <laughs> understand that somebody's not a homer, and, and, which is evident this year, right? Last year I said the Mets were going to win the division because I thought they were good, which they were. They just fell short. This year I don't think they're any good. So I, I hope that maybe well, now they could understand it. Well, you know what? Ironically, the – the show, but even myself as a baseball fan, that's what you know. What your like your tonight show, last night show, whatever is all about. The Mets team clearly is a good baseball team. I mean, I know it sounds weird to say that when you lose three in a row. Braves have you know lost three in a row. The Oakland mm-hmm. took I think two or three last week. But and that's what's so mind baffling to me as a baseball fan. I speak is I watch this in a four-run lead, a four-run lead, a five-run lead, and I still, it's, I guess my mind is like, why? I don't understand why, because the Mets do have sure talent across the board, you know, and, and we talked about it last night. I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, you know, I'm just out of curiosity, and I don't know why, but, <laughs> you know, and I, and I want to say something. I want to ask you, you're a New York guy. You're a Mets fan, born and raised, as you know. You've stated. You obviously, you know, you're you're in. I don't know much about New York. I've been there once, but is it like in the South here? You know, it's like if you want to talk about college football, it's Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia Tech. It's you know your rivalries. Da 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 da. Is it for the Mets and the ownership of the Mets up against you know the you know the greatest organization of all time, the Yankees? having to try to compete in the way of up to par with an organization that's right across the bridge. Um, you know, well, well, you, well, what is your question? Know. Like, well, I don't, I still don't understand the question is what have to do with the Yankees? Like does, what is do your, the owner, does the ownership like, do they, they feel like, all right, we got to spend all this money. We no, want to be no. the Yankees. 
No, no, absolutely not. And a matter of fact, and thank you for the call, James. The, the the Mets are under Steve Cohen. It's total different operation. He's got high expectations for himself. It has nothing to do with the Yankees or anybody else. They have a model that they want to build. They have an idea of how they want to rebuild this organization and restructure it from the ground up. And you'll see that come to fruition eventually. Right now, to make up for lost time, they have to spend a ton of money to try to put a competitive team on the field, which Steve Cohen has done. has nothing to do with the Yankees. And under prior ownership, they were not going head-to-head with the Yankees. They couldn't. Steve Cohen blows the Yankees out of the water as far as his payroll. But as far as sustained success, it's going to take years to match what the Yankees have done. But it's not about, oh, look what they're doing. We need to one-up them. Absolutely not. The Mets are trying to build themselves into a sustained, successful organization. And it's going to take a while. You know, we talk about this year, this team not being that good or good enough to win the World Series. It does not mean that the franchise is in the doldrums again. We expect them to make the playoffs. It's just that the expectations have been raised. And they, they're they not going to meet those raised expectations, not this year. And you could say the Mets are a good team, and we'll say they're going to be a playoff team, but until they could prove that they could beat Atlanta and hang with the real teams, to me, it doesn't matter. It's insignificant. Go out there and beat the... All they had to do is win, for me, win two out of three. Win two out of three with Scherzer and Verlander on the mound. You should be able to do that. To your point, the A's just did it last week. So why do the Mets make it so difficult? Why do they make it look impossible to beat the Braves in Atlanta? I'll never understand it. They weren't as good in 99 or 2000. They should be better now. Last year, even this year. They should be at the very least on par with them this year. Last year, they were better. And they still couldn't get the job done head-to-head. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.